0: Bulimia sucks, but you don't, and here's why. The Bulimia Sucks podcast with Kate Hudson-Hall will teach you how to begin breaking through the multitude of thoughts, feelings, triggers, and urges to empower yourself to change your painful behaviors completely. You will hear proven strategies and solutions to help you in your recovery, including real interviews with real people. Kate has just released a new best-selling book called Anxiety Hacks, with proven techniques, tools, and tips to calmness. Check it out now on Amazon. And now... Another episode of Bulimia Sucks, the podcast. Hello and welcome to Bulimia Sucks, because it does. My name is Kate Hudson-Hall and these are real stories from people who are suffering or have suffered an eating disorder. And it's a platform to share relatable and uplifting and inspiring inspiring conversations based on bulimia and anorexia and other eating disorders. And episodes include their personal stories of where they are now and their difficult journeys and their steps taken into recovering from their eating disorder. And we'll be talking to a wide variety of people who are going through or have recovered or are recovering Um, and also to professionals who work with people with an eating disorder. And our guest today is Milda. Now, she had an eating disorder which started with dieting, and then it sort of transformed into bulimia. And she had this for about five years. Um, And she tried many avenues to help her recover, including plenty of self-help books and therapies. And she is now fully recovered. And one key tool that helped her was the power of whole nutrition. So she went on to study nutritional therapy and has been successfully practicing ever since, specializing and working with clients with eating disorders. So Milda has joined our show before to share her specific journey Um, And that was in episode 16. But today, she's come back to talk to us and share her wealth of knowledge on how she helps her eating disorders clients to begin to break their difficult behaviours connected to disordered eating patterns and food obsession, so they can begin to enjoy food without guilt um, and take back control of their lives with the help of nutrition. So welcome back, Milda. Fabulous to have you back.
1: Thank you so much. Yes, I'm really excited to be here. And and, um, today, after having shared my personal story, sharing some of the tips and things that can really help people uh, recover themselves and just support themselves through recovery, of course, with the power of nutrition that I'm so passionate about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I can see just, you know, when I've talked to you before and, and listening to you now, I can, you know, you're really passionate about it and I can feel that mm. passion.
1: Yes, I think, especially because I've been through that myself, it, it it's, I really know what things work and what things may not work so well and what yes. can, can be helpful. So I know that I kind of always have this other, um, you know, an extra layer that I can I can sort of see and help people with so yeah yeah
0: (laughs) and it's that full understanding isn't it of where Mm. that person is in their journey and and really finding it I suppose easier but really being able to tune into you know Mm -hmm. the difficult place that they're in at that time Mm. and what will help them
1: yes yes and it's um as we know eating disorders are you know, yes, we have certain labels that that almost like labels of what a certain eating disorder might be like, but for each person, it's, it can be so different, right? It can be so different and they can be. um, I haven't yet had two clients who are exactly the same or go through the journey exactly in the same steps. So I normally have almost like, um, you know, uh, certain steps I might take with clients, but sometimes one person doesn't need a step or needs an extra step. And so I know the layer of complexity that that can go through. Yes. Yeah,
0: yeah absolutely. So tell us, so when somebody contacts you with mm-hmm. regards to an eating disorder,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what are the first steps that you sort of take them through?
1: Hmm. Well, I guess, first of all, it very much depends on what kind of eating disorder it is. And even if it's, you know, disordered eating, or often it has a certain... Let's say a certain set of behaviors or set of, uh, you know, uh, um, yeah, I guess behaviors and mindset that comes with that. So, how I'm going, what I'm going to do with people really depends on what those behaviors are like. Mm. Right. And so, so firstly, uh, first of all, I guess on the practical side, I would have a first session with people and uh, then we would really decide what works together, what work together looks like from there. So this, this first initial session very uh, a lot of the time is really about getting to know their habits getting to know their history, having a look at their food diary talk, you know just talking to them, getting to know what they're all about and then yeah. I start to give them some practical steps that they can they can uh, do themselves and then we can decide how work together looks like but I, I always very much focus on the practical steps because I know that a lot of the time when people work with me um, I recommend that they would work for a, with a, you know, a therapist, a a counselor, a psychotherapist, something from the, um, psychological support side, because I know that full recovery is always so much easier to reach when you have all bases covered. Yeah. And I'm very much about, okay, these are the practical things you can do. I give people a lot of, uh, exercises to do. So it's very much experiential. Right? It's not just saying, well, you need to eat uh, this and that. It's actually, let's put a plan together and not so much like a rigid plan because lots of people would have done that with diets before, but it's very much a plan that maybe, or I wouldn't actually even call it a plan. It's more guidance, right? Guidance. Let's, let's meet you where you're at and let's, let's see what steps you can take from here. Yeah. So yeah. I guess the way I often describe this is I, I work with people on, on this kind of like a parallel track i right. say so one side of that very much is about nutrition, nutrition nutritional balance. Uh, a lot of people, especially with bulimia, often they would be in, in this nutritional chaos, right? It's like regularity of meals doesn't happen. Um, the blood sugar spikes and crashes are always happening. And so, so it's just really about let's, let's get your body into a, a regular eating patterns into, into something that's a bit more stable so you can start the healing process with everything else.
0: Right? Yeah, yeah. So um, mm-hmm. the um, helping somebody with the nutritional path that has anorexia mm-hmm. and somebody with bulimia or binge eating. Mm-hmm. So there's differences between the two, between the three, isn't there?
1: Yes. So, so often I look at, um, it's almost like actually two sides of that because I see anorexia. And then I see bulimia and binge eating, almost very similar track will take with people who are suffering with that. With anorexia, what often happens is people that see me, they either have already had some psychological help, or they are at the stage where they really are ready to change, right? They they have uh, almost reached this turning point of knowing, I need help, I want to change this, and I'm ready. I know it's going to be difficult, but I'm ready to receive the help. Yeah. Often, if people are not in that place, it's quite tricky, to, to, um, it's quite tricky for the reason because, like I said, the, the sort of these two sides, the uh, anorexia side and the bulimia and binge eating, they're slightly different approaches. Because if you're in a place with anorexia where your BMI is quite low, yeah. obviously, there's a lot of chemical changes that happen in the brain that create this loop. Right. The loop of, of um, sometimes this sort of this voice or this other part of, of people who, which tells you, you know, not to eat or if you eat, you're going to gain weight and so on. It's quite loud. And yeah. so we, we come to an agreement that our work together, the initial part with people with anorexia is going to have to be weight restoration. Right. Because if, if the weight isn't restored, then we can't really do very much in terms of so slightly more psychological support or, you know, mindful eating yeah. or healing relationship with food. We can't really do that if they're not at the healthy BMI. Yeah. So often the initial part of the process is really uh, restoring weight, right? Yeah. And yeah. this is how it's different from bulimia and, and binge eating. Although there are people with bul- bulimia who have got a low BMI, sometimes actually not a very low BMI. Often it's sort of, you know, close to a healthy BMI let's say yeah.
0: yeah yeah and people with anorexia so you would sort of focus more on the psychological and that negative thinking and the the blockages if you if you will with regards to um, starting to introduce foods and building up and you know building up their weight
1: again everyone is very different I think a lot of the work would actually be, The work just happens by me being there and together coming up with challenges and saying, okay, and and especially challenging food rules, right? So someone would say, okay, I can't eat uh, before, you know, 12 o'clock because there's a rule there. So we would challenge that rule. And then we would say, okay, well, your challenge for next week is actually just to eat something, right? Because sometimes they would have a, well, I can't have breakfast, so we'd say, well, you're not going to have breakfast. You're just going to have something small at this time. And what, what I tend to notice with people with anorexia is, because, is that they get, get into these loops of thinking and the thinking can get really rigid because yeah. of the restriction. And the rigidity actually can be challenged by just really small things, right? Because often it's, okay, well, I, I have to have, I don't know, 10 nuts. So we say, okay, we'll have 11 Just by really little things, yeah. And and once people, the initial time when they make that challenge is really difficult. But once they see they can do it, and what their mind was saying is going to happen, like you're going to gain a stone, hasn't happened, then they think, well, okay, what what other lies might it be telling me, right? And then once you you make this challenge, you do this challenge once. Then everything else becomes a little bit easier, and then we increase these challenges and, and sort of, you know, and and a lot of the time along the process. It's not that I'm pushing them to do it all the time, but they start pushing themselves because they see that they can do it, and how different they start feeling. So yeah. it's really it's really small steps, but yeah. don't underestimate the small steps. I'd say.
0: Yeah. So it's taking that specific client, and. Mm-hmm and unraveling the muddle that they're thinking at the moment mm-hmm. and identifying specifically where they are and what is that first minute step that they can begin to change. And you're right, and then it begins to mm-hmm. empower them once they've seen that little tiny change. It's like a seed, isn't it, that can yes. begin to develop and grow.
1: Yes. And often, um, sometimes if, if the habits around food are too rigid and too, it's too hard to change anything, sometimes we start with habits that are not to do with food mm. right so if they've got that around food they often have that around other you know habits or the when I wake up I have to do this and I have to exercise and I it's very the, the yeah that there's not very much flexibility and so I sometimes do the, this exercise where I challenge them to do a few things differently and then they see and then we, we talk about it okay so how was that and Sometimes things come up like, "Oh, doing this thing was really difficult, but actually changing this thing was better than I expected." Yeah. Right, and so then we sort of related back. Oh, what if the same thing would happen around food? And often it does. Yeah. Right. So it's not. huh. Uh,
0: yeah, and I was, I was, I was going to say that also, it's beginning to work with the brain as well, and opening up that they can begin to change mm-hmm. and developing yes. that part of the brain and and. Becoming more aware, isn't it?
1: Yes, exactly. I mean, aw- awareness is a big, big part of the process, whichever eating disorder people might be suffering
0: with. I always say awareness is the first step.
1: Absolutely. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Because often they say, well, I can't change and there's nothing I can do. But then if we change one little thing and they say, well, I thought I couldn't do it and I did, hmm, maybe I can do this other step, right? Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah. 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 This is fascinating. So, um, and so you would take them forward with those steps very gradually, mm-hmm. obviously, um, mm-hmm. and then to build from there with somebody with anorexia.
1: Yes. I mean, the process that, that weight restoration process actually does take the longest time. Yeah. Um, it does take the longest time because simply the eating disorder tends to fight back a lot. And um, we do have weekly sessions, and each session flies by because there's so many things to talk about that happened in the week, and and there's so many maybe, yeah, whether it's mindset, whether it's uh, other uh, sort of barriers that didn't didn't that came up or that didn't let them complete the challenge. So we we sort of take layer by layer off. Okay, well, what if that happened, and the mind says, well, no, I can't do this, but actually, if we flipped it and tried it the other way and then it works so yeah this process really of weight restoration I find with anorexia is the probably the slowest takes the longest time but it's during this process it's not that we're just working on restoring weight there's actually a lot of things and realizations that come with that as well and so that paves the way to all the other work that's to come afterwards and that's Uh, mindful eating reconnection to the body reconnection uh, reconnecting to hunger and fullness signals right and then the end goal obviously very often is the intuitive eating but that's quite down the line I'd say yes
0: yeah Yeah. Mm. absolutely absolutely there's so many different pathways to address isn't there yes so moving over to um people with bulimia Mm -hmm. and binge eating Mm -hmm. So tell us what the difference is between those two.
1: So the way I'd approach uh, working with people with binge eating and bulimia is is that um, often, I guess, that their motivation, well, motivation, as you know, is variable for everybody. But often um, I find that people with bulimia and binge eating would implement changes quicker than somebody with anorexia simply because the the binging and the the purging these are such potent systems in their life such potent energy systems in their life that they want to change them really quickly and mm-hmm. so their motivation often is okay i'm going to do that although i'm really scared but i'm just so fed up with this binging and purging i just i'm I'm just going to do it even though i'm scared of it mm-hmm. right and so with with bulimia and binge eating often people that i see are in, they do not have a low BMI, they would be within normal or slightly over the, the uh, normal BMI. Um, and because of that, we actually can start doing a lot of the sort of more psychological work and more uh, behavioral work quite quickly. And so with with bulimia, so the step number one really, and I talk about bulimia and binge eating very similarly, because With bulimia, we just have an extra step, which is eliminating purging. And with binge eating, we don't really have that because obviously vomiting uh, creates almost like a certain, um, well, feeling, I guess, in in the body, almost like this uh, attachment to to the feeling that endorphins create, Mm. right? And so that that doesn't happen with, with binge eating. Um, mm. so that's just an extra step, but the other steps are very, very similar. So we would start with, I, I always start with the regular eating and balancing people, uh, nutritionally. So yeah. that often is, you know, a lot of the time people go in, go in these loops. So, okay, I had a binge and a purge and now I'm going to restrict because, yes. you know, I'm not go- I'm going to restrict and then they end up in the same binge purge cycle. Yeah. So the first steps is really making sure that people eat regularly. So when I say regularly for particularly the the whole underlying work that I do with people, it's pretty much based on blood sugar balance and regulation. And Mm -hmm. so, um, that regular eating is, uh, if someone is purging, binging and purging, you know, every day or more, uh, that would be the regular eating with me in eating every three hours. Right. So to make sure that you don't have big gaps between your meals Mm -hmm. and to be fair for every person, I adjust that a little bit because uh, just by looking at their, you know, their food diary and seeing how their day is, what they do through the day and so on. For somebody who maybe wakes up, I don't know, at nine o'clock, right, is a student wakes up at nine o'clock and then they maybe go to bed quite early, for example, that that happens. They may not need all six meals. Yes. Right? yes, But for somebody who, let's say, wakes up at five o'clock and has two children and there's just a lot going on, they really do need that regularity in place, right? Mm. It's like clockwork. And um, so, yeah, this, this really eating every three hours, which can be difficult for people if, you know, they go days without eating regularly, right? Yes. So it's just this, because what happens in this regular eating, people have this container, where they know whatever happens, actually I come back to this container of regular eating and then my body can restore by itself. The cravings start to reduce by themselves, the urges, so I don't have yeah. to fight them so much.
0: Yeah. Right? And I think yeah. that's and a big I one. think that's really important for people to hear that, mm-hmm. that it will reduce, that yes. it will start to reduce those, that need, to, that urge mm-hmm. to binge mm-hmm. and purge once and I they're think, eating regularly. Uh,
1: I always say that to clients and they say, you know, I don't know if that's going to happen to me. Everyone says that, but Mm. then they say, but I'm going to trust you because so far what you said worked. And then after a few weeks, they start to see that actually it reduces and, you know, they don't have to fight that urge so much. They say like the, uh, after a few weeks, maybe a month, maybe a bit longer, they actually realize that because of regular eating, that urge becomes something like, um, more like a suggestion that you can Mm. take it or leave it. Mm. So actually this is where you can start feeling more in control. It's, it becomes a choice, right? Where there's previously, it feels like autopilot. There's nothing I can do. I can't change this. Yeah. And a lot of that is to do with blood sugar regulation and those spikes and crashes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So then how Uh, do you take that forward from there?
1: Yeah. So, so regular eating often, um, again, I say, okay, a few weeks For some people, it's a few months until they really get the hang of it. Mm. And they really, they might have a few relapses along the way. Mm. And they might think, okay, well, I've got this. Or let's say, oh, I haven't binged and purged for three weeks. And then they start to restrict a little bit, whether it's conscious or subconscious, and then they might have a relapse. So these situations are actually really good because we can work through them and say, well, what happened this time? Because the mind keeps saying, well, okay, I'm not purging anymore. So maybe I'll just restrict so I lose some weight, for example, right? And then they see straight away a relapse, a lapse happens, okay? So uh, often that might take a few months. And then we really focus on, uh, you know, if the purging itself hasn't gone by that point, then we would use tools. And, and like I said, if, if we've got these, uh, if, if the urge becomes this more of a suggestion, then we really work on Uh, building the person up getting their them into a place of being really resilient so they can say no to those urges at certain situations or maybe we see okay what times of the day those situations happen and often that might be uh the evening evening is a big time and i think another reason is because that's the time our willpower is depleted as well um and um yeah so just really seeing okay what what are other points for the person that Uh, still make lapses happen right and I guess okay so so that's you know a big process it's a journey and there are many things that I might use but and and these next few steps they are often interchangeable for people so I wouldn't say you know we wouldn't say okay well for two months now we do this for for a month and then for this they often sort of uh, link into each other Mm -hmm. so I just sort of feel Mm -hmm. out what's the best tool that I could give the person at this stage what would help the most
0: so that's the end of this episode. And this is part one of two parts of our talk with Milda. And so listen to episode 24, the next episode, to find out how Milda continues her pathway in helping her eating disorders clients on their recovery journey. And she'll be discussing fearful safe foods, sometimes foods, also about supplements and mindful eating and intuitive eating, but she will also be discussing about the bulimia bloat and what she advises. So tune into the next episode, episode 24, to hear what she has to say. It's fascinating. And thank you for listening. And if you haven't already heard about it, check out my book, Bulimia Sucks on Amazon, to learn many different techniques to help you to begin to break through your painful bulimic behaviours. And before we go, let us know what you think of the show and show some love for your favourite podcast by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or Buzzsprout or Google Podcasts or Spotify. And make sure you join our Facebook group, so, thank you for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode. Bulimia sucks, but you don't. Kate has just released a new best selling book called Anxiety Hacks with proven techniques, tools, and tips to calmness. Check it out now on Amazon.